Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode of our Truth Tidbits as we continue reading through the scriptures this year. We are in the book of Revelation, and today we intend to conclude Revelation chapter 5. I'd like to read to start us off, beginning in Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood." out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. Praise be to God. What an awesome worship service. And we will be a part of that awesome worship service one day for all those who believe in Jesus Christ and know him as Lord and Savior. So today, let's consider the conclusion of chapter 5. And let's begin by taking a brief review of chapter 4 and 5. And we looked in chapter 4, we saw the entire setup that, that God chose to reveal to us about the throne room scene, him being God on the throne, God the Father, sitting on his royal, beautiful, glorious throne, the 24 elders, the four living creatures around him. We discussed all of those in previous episodes to understand who they are and what they represent. We saw their worship. Then we saw the search and the scroll. We saw the initial results of the search proved nothing anywhere. Not one could be found worthy, but there was one worthy. And John saw him, and he was revealed as the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David. And he is the Lamb who had been slain for the sins of the world. And his blood has now redeemed us. Praise be to God. 
He is the one worthy because he has done the work to deserve and honor this high position. And this will become clearer beginning with chapter 6 as we move forward. This worship service includes the four living creatures. They fall down and worship him. The 24 elders, which we believe represents the entirety of the priesthood of the believer or the entire church. They fall down in worship, holding harps or lyres, some form of a musical instrument, stringed instrument. And they hold golden bowls full of the prayers of the saints. There are many types of prayers also, and that's worthy of its own study. But the prayers of the saints, genuine prayers from the saints, are in these bowls and have come up as alms before the Lord. Praise be to God. We saw in Psalm 141, verses 1 and 2, how the prayers that we pray to the Lord can be found before Him and rise before Him as sweet-smelling aromas. We also saw in that study about the strange fire that two of the sons of Aaron had tried to offer before the Lord. We cannot do that. We cannot come to the Lord impetuously, irreverently, or with vain or meaningless repetitions. Jesus spoke about that. We need to offer Him prayer and communication and conversation from our hearts sincerely. Then in the last episode, we looked at the Song of the Redeemed, something that I typically like to refer to as Psalm 151, found in this chapter. The lyrics, the lyrics are given to us. This song is sung by the 24 elders, representing the whole of the church. Only people who are redeemed can sing this song, and all people who are redeemed will sing this song. And there's only one way to be redeemed. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We are redeemed by his blood, through his precious blood. And we are redeemed out of all places and peoples of the earth. Imagine this service is going to be loud and celebratory. It's going to be worshipful. It's going to be multinational and multiracial. We will be there together with believers from every place and people on earth and from every time span. Praise God. God loves and saves everyone and anyone who will believe. Jesus said, in John chapter 6, verse 28 through 29, that there's only one work that every person must do to be saved. I want to read verses 28 and 29. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. In other words, that you believe in Jesus, the son of the living God, whom God the Father has sent. Jesus met with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, and he said, you must be born again of the spirit of the living God in order to be saved. And we are saved through believing 
in Jesus Christ, that his death on the cross and the blood that he shed was enough, and it and it alone has paid for our sin. Jesus has redeemed us by his precious blood. So beginning in verse 11, we see more about this worship service. We see more of the lyrics for this song that is sung. And we're introduced to the whole chorus of worshipers. Notice that we are told that the worshipers include the four living creatures and the 24 elders. And then it says many angels. As a matter of fact, it's an innumerable amount, a great amount or a mega amount. John describes it this way as 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Now, he's not so much saying it's a hundred million plus thousands of thousands as if we can calculate it. What he's saying is it's an innumerable, immeasurable number. John saw so many that that was the phrase, idiom, that was the reference or speech that he used to communicate. It's a massive amount of worship and worshipers that will be there on that day. All of them in one accord declaring these worship lyrics, an innumerable amount, a vast number. It's interesting because we've read this scripture several times so far in the study of Revelation, but I want to read this one verse again simply because it correlates very well with John's reference here. And John and Daniel are both saying the same thing. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 10, it says this, A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him, talking about the Ancient of Days on the throne. We've looked at that before. And then Daniel says this, A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. So we have Daniel and John both giving reference to this exact same number, this immeasurable, innumerable company of angels. The author of the book of Hebrews also speaks of that in reference to the heavenly Zion that we have now come to, or Mount Zion in heaven that we've now come to. The worship song, other parts of the lyrics of this song we are given, all worship is to God and the Lamb. It lists for us here some of the lyrics that we will be all singing together on that day. But I want to make this point because it is very important that we understand that true worship, which includes not just singing songs, praising, it includes all forms of obedience and service to the Lord, but it does include singing and praising the Lord with instruments. The, the lyres are represented by that here, the harps, the songs, the words are represented by that here, singing and laudation. There can be bowing down is one expression of worship, and that's mentioned here. You can be clapping your hands, raising your hands, 
dancing before the Lord. There are many expressions of worship. But the key is that all worship, all worship belongs to the Lord only. All worship should be to God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, the only one worthy to be worshipped. Worship is not about us. I'm a little bit concerned because many of the popular worship songs, praise songs today seem to have more of a me focus, more of a self focus. God wants to do something for me. God's going to bless me. God's going to never let me down, etc., etc. There's a lot of me in some of these songs. And they they may be encouraging and wonderful songs. I am not misju- I'm not judging them, but I am making this point. True worship is God-focused. True worship is offered to the Lord in recognition and acknowledgement of his worth. Chapter 5 shows us that. It teaches us about true worship. There are plenty others in Scripture, David being one of those that teaches us to worship and to honor the Lord. The object of our worship must be God and Him alone. All else is idolatry. All else Anything else that draws our worship, that draws our attention, that draws our love and affection and adoration, we must be careful because it can lead or can easily become idolatry to us. We must worship God and Him alone. God the Father, God the Son, and we know God the Holy Spirit Jesus told us in John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15, that the Holy Spirit, when he has come, he will glorify the Son. So the worship here, the lyrics are declaring God's worthiness, the worthiness of the Lamb to receive, to hold and own and possess seven things are mentioned here. And I want to look at those seven quickly. First, power. That reference is the Greek word dunamis. It's talking about the might and the ability, the force, being able, capability. Riches. I love this one. As I was studying this one out, it really was filling my soul because that word riches, it's not like God is poor and he needs our riches. Not at all. What it's talking about there is wealth and fullness, fullness and possession. In other words, what rightfully belongs to him because he is the owner of it. It's his. It's been his all along. But now we will see he begins to then take hold of the fullness of his ownership and his inheritance. It's the abundance of eternal possessions. I want to look at a few scriptures here in reference to that. The first one is one that we 
are familiar with in this study because we've read it several times. I'm going to read it again right here. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. He owns it. It's an abundance of his possession. It's his to claim. Psalm 110 verse 1 says this, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Here again, it's his. He has the coming rule and dominion. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says this, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of its person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And then when we go down to verse 13, he says this, but to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool, coming from what we just read in Psalm chapter 110. So it's his, it's his inheritance. It's his rightful possession and ownership. He is the owner of it. The third thing, he's worthy to receive his wisdom. It's all his. Colossians chapter 2 verse 3 tells us that in him, in Jesus, all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found. They are hidden. They are treasured up in him. Wisdom refers to the skill, the ability to do something skillfully. It refers to knowledge and application of that knowledge. Jesus is the wonder of a counselor from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Praise be to God. And in him all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found. The fourth thing he is worthy to receive is strength, the ability and the might to do something, the force. The fifth thing is honor, esteem, worth, value, dignity. It really speaks of the highest esteem, that that promotes and generates veneration. The sixth thing he is worthy to receive is glory. The Greek word is doxa. The Hebrew word is kabod. It refers to weightiness, heaviness of respect and reverence. He's not to be taken lightly. He is to be taken seriously. He is worthy and highly esteemed. Weighty. He carries significant weight. His words, his very presence, his being. Praise God. It includes his majesty, his splendor. He is in the most glorious condition and the most exalted position. Praise God. 
And then the seventh thing he is worthy to receive is blessing. The Greek word is eulogio, and it means commendation or well-speaking, laudation, celebration, praise, and adoration. Oh, hallelujah. Do you adore him? Do you see him as glorious and beautiful? Praise God. I hope you do. I want us to look at who joins in in verse 13 into this chorus. Because so far we've seen the four living creatures, the 24 elders, and an innumerable company of angels all involved in this chorus of praise. What what I'd like to dub Psalm 151. But guess who else joins in the chorus Perhaps this is, we might call it the refrain of the song or the bridge. I don't know. I'm just using human terms here. But it's part of that whole song that we will all sing. And notice now who joins in the celebration and in the praise. Nature itself. Think about this for a moment. The Bible tells us every creature In the New Testament, this word for creature is used of a created thing. It mainly refers to animals and creatures in nature, such as in 1 Timothy 4, verse 4. Notice it's every creature, every creature, every single one. In heaven, that word for heaven is uranus, And it's talking about the sky or the atmosphere, the universe. Perhaps this is some of the planets and the stars. There is a star that NASA has found called Pulsar, I believe. And it has a pulsating beat. it's, It's kind of a musical beating rhythm sound. Perhaps that would include the planets and the stars in some form definitely would include the birds of the air, the flying creatures, all all of the things that are a part of the atmospheric realm in the heavens, in the firmament area. All things in heaven, every created thing in heaven, every created thing in the earth, meaning the land creatures, all of the beasts of the fields, the elephants, the lions, the tigers, the dogs, the cats, the squirrels, the raccoons, every created thing in the earth, every created thing under the earth, or in other words, in the dirt, in the ground, which would be like worms, moles, ants, those things that live in the dirt. Then he says, in the sea and all that is in them, all of the oceanic creatures that God made, including all the mammals in the sea, all the fish of the sea, all the sea creatures, perhaps even other living things that are in the sea, maybe some of the anemones, I believe it's anemones, the coral reef, other things that are living in the sea. Perhaps it includes all the vegetation and plants as well, because that's in the earth. Every created thing 
All nature now joins in to sing to God, to sing praises to God. I want to bring out this point because we live in a day where people are beginning to lift up the earth, calling it Mother Earth, etc., in such a way that it becomes an idol. It becomes the worship of the creation instead of the creator. Romans chapter 1 warns us about that. We must not worship the creation, but rather we must join with nature in worshiping nature's God, the creator God from Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. Romans chapter 1 gives strong warnings against the worship of creation. I want to read some of those because it's very important for us to understand and accept all of Scripture, including its warnings and the consequences that Scripture lists of sin. And worshiping the creation is sin and idolatry. I want to read in Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. And it says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because... Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore. Amen. And then he goes on and he speaks of the consequences in more detail of such an awful sin. We need to understand that God has given us stewardship of the earth in which we dwell. Yes, this is true. And we should do our best to take care of that in service to our Lord as a steward who will give an account to our Lord, but not in some form of elevation and worship of the earth itself. Do not fall into the trap of worshiping the creation instead of the creator. Because we find out right here in Revelation chapter 5 that nature itself joins 
in a chorus of praise to the God who created nature. Praise God. And the song that they declare is blessing, honor, glory, and power be to the one who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever, forever and ever. Praise God. It's interesting, this word for power is kratos, and it means vigor or display of might. It also includes great power, great vigor, and dominion. And that's going to become understood more as we begin chapter 6 in another episode or so. So even nature joins in with the four living creatures and the 24 elders and the thousands and thousands innumerable company of angels in worshiping the one on the throne and the Lamb, the only ones worthy to receive this praise. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures extend their worship to include falling down and bowing before him. What a chorus this will be. Oh, hallelujah. What a worship service we are all bound to experience in that day. Imagine worshiping the Lamb of God. Imagine worshiping our God, the Father, who sits upon that beautiful, glorious throne of grace. Imagine being there and being one of this innumerable company of hosts who will cry out worship with nature itself. Now, I don't know how that's going to play out. I don't know if it will be one language that will be spoken. It may not even be a, a earthly language of any kind. I have no idea. But there's going to be a chorus of praise like no other that we will be a part of in that awesome worship service. And this will also begin to set the stage for chapter 6 and beyond when we see the whole of the wrap-up of Jesus in his coming glory. Praise be to God. I pray that this has been a blessing to you, and Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of our Truth Tidbits. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.